power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen.
sometimes when the church is portrayed as an army, the I don't know, the, the conservative believers are not excited about it because it's like, oh, Jesus is very gentle, he's very meek. You know, when we talk about meekness, a lot of people don't understand meekness. Meekness doesn't mean being timid. Meekness doesn't mean being weak. When we talk about the fruit of the spirit as meekness, meekness means power under control. That's what meekness means. It, it means you are very powerful, but you are powerful enough to control that power. Hallelujah. The power to talk by heart, the power to insult by heart, the power to get angry by heart. You have that power, but it's under control. That is what meekness means. Hallelujah. So Jesus wasn't timid, he wasn't weak, he was meek. Hallelujah. And at the point in time, he said, I did not come to make peace, I came with a sword. That was Jesus himself speaking, that he came with a sword. If you read Exodus chapter 15, God himself is described as a man of war. God himself, Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. Let's look at it. He said, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. It's as simple as that. Hallelujah. And this Christian walk, whether you like it or not, the moment you sign up for it, you have signed up for warfare. You have signed up for a battle. Hallelujah. The Bible says, from the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violence shall take it by force. Peter said, be sober and be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walked about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we are in some very serious business here. Hallelujah. My favorite is Isaiah soon. Every battle of the warriors shall be with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But this battle shall be with burning and fuel of fire. So whether you like it or not, you are in a war, you are in a battle. So the earlier you saw yourself as a soldier, the better for you. And the interesting thing about the war front or the battlefield is that there are no spectators. The spectators are the earliest casualties. Those who just come there to come and see people being pierced, people being scared, and then you die fast. Because if you come as a spectator, most likely you don't come well equipped with your weapons of defense in place, and you are likely to be the earliest casualty. Today, I want you to live here with the mentality of a soldier. Hallelujah. If you've been seeing yourself as a civilian, an ordinary person walking about, after today's ceremony, you must see yourself as a soldier. With the attributes and characteristics of a soldier. Hallelujah. And this army we are talking about is a very militant army. It's not violent, but it's militant. Very militant army. Some people think this army we are talking about is an army on the defensive. It's like we are there, and when the enemy comes to attack, then we defend ourselves. No, that's not the posturing of this army we are talking about. The first statement in the New Testament that gave us an idea about the church being an army is found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. A lot of people look at this portion of scripture 
and interpret it to mean that the church is supposed to be in a in defensive mode or passive mode. It's, not, it's like we are, we are not supposed to be offensive. We are not supposed to be the aggressors. We are not supposed to be the attackers. So it's like you are there. If the enemy comes, then you deal with it. But that is not what I see from this scripture. Hallelujah. He said, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Everybody say the church. This was the first time the church was mentioned in the Bible. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was just two days ago I was reading this scripture again and I got a different revelation of the meaning of this scripture. I had always seen this scripture to mean that we will be attacked but the enemy will not win. How many of you have also interpreted it that way? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means as a church we will be attacked by the enemy but the enemy will not win. But look at this. It is a very offensive or very, okay, in medicine, offensive means something else. It's a very attack-oriented <laughs> statement Jesus Christ is making here. He said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Say gates. Gates are not weapons of offense. They are for defense. So the picture being created here is that the enemy is behind the gate, trying to protect itself against the gate. But this militant, powerful army is going to march against the gates, and the gates will not be able to stand against it. That means the gates will fall, will enter the territory of the enemy, and do whatever we want to do. Hallelujah. So I realize that this statement is not passive at all, it is not defensive at all. We are on the offensive. Hallelujah. The enemy is the one hiding behind the gates, he is seeking refuge behind the gates. With his ideas, with his evil deeds and his plans, he's behind the gate. But Jesus is telling us here that those gates, no matter how powerful they are, no matter how high they are, no matter how strong they are, it doesn't matter what metal they use to create them. It says those gates shall not prevail against the church. That means we will march on those gates, we will break them down, we will tear them down, we will enter the territory of the enemy and do whatever we want to do. Hallelujah. And you see, the Bible uses a lot of imagery that relates to ancient warfare, how things were done in those days. Those days, cities had gates. That was the first line of defense. And so when you manage to break the gates and you enter, they also have a place they call the stronghold. Somebody say the stronghold. The stronghold is like what now they call a safe house. Where it's like it's a very highly fortified place with very thick walls, high walls, sometimes a bunker underground. Even nowadays, military forces have those kinds of places. When they are under attack, they can retreat into the bunker. They can it's like underground. So that when you bomb the surface building, they'll still be safe under. That's what we call a stronghold. So aside the enemy having gates. He also has strongholds. But there's a portion of scripture that also assures us of the fact that we have authority over those strongholds. Aside the fact that we can break down these gates and hell will not be able to stand against it. When we've broken the gates and they have run into their strongholds, the Bible says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
That means wherever the enemy decides to go, we have a solution to him. Hallelujah. Pulling down strongholds. And it says, casting down imaginations. Some of the battles we'll fight are mental battles. They are battles of ideas. And trust me, nowadays there are a lot of battles of ideas. So this warfare we have is not a violent war. Hallelujah. We are not punching anybody in the face. We are not spearing anybody with a, a spear or a sword. It can be a battle of ideas. One of the strongest battles of ideas we are having right now is a battle about homosexuality. Homosexuality is primarily a problem of the mind. Because in Romans, Paul said, and God gave them up unto depraved minds. So that now they substituted natural passions and they were burning with lust for one another, man to man, woman to woman. When you are gay or you are lesbian, there is something wrong with your mind. Hallelujah. Something is not right. Some, some wires are not functioning well. Or some wires are touching. No, you can go to me. I said it. They can come and attack me. Ghana being gay is illegal. So if you come and attack me, you know, there, Charlie Police, you carry a book. Hallelujah. I said it before that even Satan was not gay. And how do I know that? In the Garden of Eden, there was naked Adam and naked Eve. And Satan went to naked Eve. There were only two naked people. Look at the one he decided to go to. Even Satan doesn't have gay tendencies. So if you have gay tendencies, there's a problem with you. Something is seriously wrong. And you need help. Don't tell me that's how God created you. God didn't create anybody like that. We said that I was watching a YouTube video and somewhere in Accra, a group of young boys like 10, they formed some group and they behave like women. Put on makeup, eyelashes, and this, 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 this. And it's like, Nanaba and was the one interviewing them. Every question she asked, like, oh my God. It's like I was, my skin was creepy. Like, I was feeling some things. What is this? Oh my goodness. That's how they start answering the question. When they are going for parties, then they put on lipstick. Remember, I had a, a certain patient some time ago when she was working at Fever Series. The guy will come in stretch. You know, this stretch, I don't know how you can like her or whatever, with a paint top, painted his lips, eyeshadow, eyelashes. Comes to say, there was your name. My name is Sheila. Where are you a guy? And your practice has landed you with. So there are a lot of battles of ideas. There's another one to coming up called moral relativism. Moral relativism. That means you're welcome. Moral relativism. So it's like there are no absolutes. Everything is relative. That means what is bad for you may not be bad for me. It depends on my experiences and how I see it. 
moral relativism. As an army, we have a big task ahead of us. Hallelujah. Another mindset hedonism. When you say somebody is a hedonist, his mindset is like, let us eat and drink, tomorrow we die. The chillers, yen and yen yen Just have fun in life. The exact opposite are the stoics. They, they believe you should not enjoy, like everything should be thinking. You should inflict yourself. That one too is bondage. If you have the spirit of God and they rejoin your heart, how can you live like that? It's not possible. So there are a lot of strongholds that we need to confront. And for us to be able to confront, I mean, these are the mental ones. These are the, the ones of the mind, the battles of the mind. But there are serious spiritual battles too as well. Hallelujah. Amen. There are towns and cities that are under curses and are under demonic surveillance. The only army equipped and licensed to be able to take care of the forces of darkness is the church. Not the only army that can take care of I mean, without due respect, Satan cannot cast out Satan. It's not possible. Even Jesus said, A house that is divided against itself shall not stand. Do not stand. If you see somebody from another belief saying he's casting out the devil, it is just the demon trying to make the person feel like you are doing something. <laughs> Satan cannot cast out Satan. It's impossible. It's impossible. And we are the only people that are mandated to deal with the devil and his cohorts. I've explained to you here before why Jesus Christ came to die. When God created man, there's a reason why he put man on earth and not Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto, or any of the. I have Pluto, they, they've taken Pluto out. They have been substituted in. That's how it is in life. I don't perform your substitute. <laughs> We've all learned Pluto, Pluto. Pluto is no more there. There's a reason why God brought man to earth. It's because when Satan and his cause misbehave, the Bible said he threw them onto the earth. He brought them as prisoners. And he needed some security forces. To look after them and make sure they don't misbehave here on earth. And so that's why God created man. So man was supposed to be that soldier. Man was supposed to be that policeman. Who ensured that these forces of darkness don't misbehave here on earth. Man was a prison officer. That's why God didn't take man to Pluto. And he didn't take man to Uranus or Neptune or Mercury or Mars. He brought them to earth. And the Bible said, he said, let them have dominion. You know, someone proved to you that hell is here on earth. Ephesians 4, 9. When Jesus Christ died, the Bible said he went into the lower ranges of the earth. We all know Jesus went into hell to fight the devil, etc. He's here on earth. So when the Bible said he gave man dominion over the earth, if hell is on earth, then that dominion also extended to hell. So man was supposed to be that soldier, that policeman, that prison officer, 
that was supposed to ensure that there is law and order on earth. Things move as God intended it to be, and that the devil and his cohorts don't have their free course to operate. But you see, the prisoner realized that the only way the policeman that has been put on him to ensure he doesn't misbehave loses his power is for him to trick the policeman to also fall short of the law. So he deceived the policeman, and the policeman lost his uniform. Whether it's a policeman or it's a military man, the uniform was lost. Hallelujah. Every prisoner, when he escapes, he escapes with keys. The prison officer's power over the prisoner is the keys he's holding. Because with that, he can lock you up. He can shut you up. Ensure that your movement is getting. That is why Jesus Christ had to come and die. And through his death, enter hell. To go and engage the devil in an open combat in order to collect those keys back. That's why before he went into hell, he promised the disciples, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you shall bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you shall lose on earth is loose in heaven. So when he went and did the damage, I'm sure that day they were jubilating, thinking we've killed him, we've finished him. His ministry is dead. They didn't know they had liberated him rather to come into hell. I'm sure when the gates of hell opened and they saw Jesus, shock killed some of them. Some of them began to shake. They stopped drinking their vodka. They were drinking for celebration. That they had to stop drinking it. Jesus entered. And the Bible said, Jesus Christ having stopped principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them. That means that they, they were fractured. Spines were broken, females were broken, necks were broken. He finished and he stood in front of Satan and said, Oh, yeah, bring me the keys. So when he finished, he came out triumphant the revelation. He said, I am he who died and now I am alive forevermore, and the keys of death and hell are in my hands. When you sign up for Christianity, when you become a Christian, two things happen to you. First of all, your uniform is reinstated unto you. Secondly, the keys are put back into your hands. So that's what we are. We are soldiers, we are policemen, we are military forces holding keys that can lock up the devil and to ensure that he doesn't function. Hallelujah. So this thing we are in is very, very serious business. If we are an army, we have to behave like an army. There are some things that are characteristic of armies. And that's what I'm going to share with you now. Hallelujah. If you are an army, we must behave like an army. If we are soldiers, we must behave like soldiers. So I picked this from the U.S. Marines. They are their website. The U.S. Marines, they are one of the most elite group of soldiers you can find anywhere. Highly trained, highly skilled you don't just enter the marine, you don't become a marine lad. You don't just get up and become a marine. You go through rigorous training. It's, it's like they are very specialized forces. They are described as amphibious. That means they can operate on the sea and operate on the land at the same time. Most of the time, soldiers are specialized. So the navy will take care of the sea, the air force will take care of the air, and the army will deal with the ground. But these ones are amphibious. Wherever you put them, they will survive. High trade. 
very skill, very disciplined. And they put together certain characteristics, certain things they do. And I believe these things apply to us as an army of God as well. Hallelujah. If an army of an ordinary country can be this skilled and this disciplined, how much more the army that has Jesus Christ himself as the commander of the general? We should be more skilled, we should be more disciplined, we should be more efficient. So the first thing is that in the military, there is structure. Somebody say structure. Hallelujah. A structureless church is a church that will collapse in no time. You need structure. That is why we are taking time to put structures in place in this church. Hallelujah. You need structures. The ministries within the church need structures. Even in the Ghana Health Service, we have structures. And with the structures come ranks. Everybody say rank. In the military, rank is respected. You respect rank. And that is how it has to be in the army of Christ. Rank must be respected. In essence, you have ranks. Designated by belts. Some of the people, when they are coming, the belt comes ahead of them. And so they move once. You see the belt before you see the person. Uh, so I, said, I have struggled for this thing. Medical practitioners that ranks. Bottom of the food chain, the house of six. Give me a wait. <laughs> they are the white horses. Everybody comes and gives instructions and comes sit up on them and leaves. And they have to ensure that things are done properly. From house officer, you have senior house officer, you have a medical officer. <laughs> you have medical officer, you have senior medical officer, principal medical officer. And then you move to the specialists and the senior specialists. For Ghana Health Service, it ends as senior specialists. A lot of people don't understand the word consultant. A consultant is a senior specialist who is first and foremost primarily employed by the Ministry of Education. That means you are full-time with medical school, but then you do some consultation or consultancy work for the Ministry of Health. That is a consultant. So consultant and senior specialist in terms of rank are the same. The difference is that the consultant is with the Ministry of Education and the senior specialist is with Ministry of Health. So everywhere you find ranks. In the military, Ghana military, we have the enlisted forces, we have the officers. Enlisted forces, you have the, the, the lance corporals and the corporals and the sergeants, master sergeant, warrant officer class one, warrant officer class two. When you come to the officers, you start from second lieutenant to lieutenant, captain, major, lieutenant colonel, colonel, major general, lieutenant general, full general, and the highest is the field marshal. Now, there have been very few in this world, and most of those people, they put the title on themselves. You don't just get up and become a field marshal. Most of them, they put it on themselves. Ilya me. Field Marshal Idi Amin. Like when you hear him talk, go and consult your psychiatry notes. You will see a lot of fear. 
When you see the titles he gives himself, conqueror of the British Empire, this, that, 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 things like that. Megalomaniac, somebody with grandiose delusions. And a very wicked man. He used to chew raw human flesh. Field Marshal Idi Amin. Another field marshal in history was Field Marshal Muhammad al Gaddafi. So field, most of them, they gave it to themselves. So, so there are ranks in the military. And the ranks are respected. You respect the ranks. If you work that 37 before, I'm sure Pastor Gideon will tell you. When they meet each other, you salute your boss. You salute. You can be 105 years old. And your boss is 30 years old. When you meet him because of the ranking, you salute. And the ranking is relationship doesn't come in. When it comes to when we are there as soldiers, forget about I'm your brother. Or I'm married to you. So my grand uncle and grand auntie, both of them were in the military. My auntie, they are both 90 years now, still alive. I went to visit them some months back. And the lady was giving me a story. She was a nurse in the military, but the husband was like a full military man. He was Colonel. Colonel of high ranking. And the high ranking officers had organized some program. And she was attending, like the husband was one of the organizers. So when they got there, I think she was a little late and chairs were in short supply. So her husband came to pass. And she called him, Mike, Mike, Mike. Like, Tale, use your influence and give me a place to sit. That's what Tale said. So she called her husband, Mike, Mike, Mike. The husband just turned and pointed to his back. He said, do you mind? Address me properly. We are not at home. We are here as soldiers. Hallelujah. What I'm trying to tell you is that when it comes to certain things, you put relationships aside. When there is an assignment, you put relationships aside. He said, Mike, Mike, Mike. He said, do you mind? There is no problem. Hallelujah. So there has to be respect for rank in the church. Respect for rank. And when the rank comes, Orders. So the characteristic is that characteristic is that in the military you follow orders. You follow orders. Let me tell you this thing. When it comes to following orders, you see, let me make this statement. Church can never be fully democratic. It's not possible. I said church cannot be what? Fully democratic. There's a pathway it can be democratic. This decision to start church at 730, we subjected it to a democratic vote at the leadership meeting. But it's not every decision that is going to be done like that. Because it's a spiritual entity, it's not everything that you, you can subject to a vote. You understand me? So there comes a time where you just have to take orders. And military is also a workforce. Imagine a house being built or a building project. There are a lot of different people of different ranks, of different levels of skill. You have the civil engineer there, the architect there, construction engineer there, 
you have the masons, you have the laborers, you have everybody. Instructions move from the top down and that determines how the building goes. The architect has been to school for six years to know what he knows. The laborer is there because he has six pack. <laughs> Imagine if every instruction coming from the architect has to be fully explained to the labor. You think the building will ever be built? It comes to a point you just have to respect the fact that the one talking to you has more experience than you, the one talking to you is, 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 has more insight than you, and just obey. You understand? There are times my patients ask me certain questions about their condition. And I tell them, for me to adequately explain this thing to you, I have to take you through medical school. Because my understanding of it wasn't overnight. It was built over some small science I learned in secondary school, which was consolidated by some chemistry in Legon, before MB2, MB3, paraclinicals. Everything in my clinical experience came to make me understand this thing the way I understand it. If you understand it, you have to go through what I've gone through. Hallelujah. So it comes to a place, there is a place where you just have to just, just obey, trust and obey. Hallelujah. Yeah. You just have to trust and obey. If everything has to be explained and everything must make sense. The building will never be built. So the architect comes, lay the blocks this way. Now he has to do calculations, physics. And the physics guy, the laborer may not even understand what he's talking about. They say, put the block here, just put the block here. Because I trust that your training and your education and your experience is such that you won't lead me astray. You know what you are doing. Hallelujah. That's what the instructions I'll give. It's not everything you understand, it's not everything that will make sense to you. So when I go born again, you're not born. <laughs> what I've seen and what I've been through. This year, 2019, 28 May, will be exactly six, 26 years since I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and I started speaking in tongues. Many of you are not born. Hallelujah. So there are certain things that will come from. I'm just telling you this so that sometimes it doesn't look like the pastor is being a dictator. Me, I'm not a dictator, but my pastors will tell you. I, I like to take ideas and synthesize everything together. The best leader is not the one who has the best ideas. The best leader is the one who can take ideas from people, put it together for the best ideas to come. That's the best leader. But there are times when things will just come out and it's an instruction. But so I'm going to tell you, there have been times I've given certain instructions. And logically, this thing should not work. This thing shouldn't give us correct results. But at the end of the day, it, it works. Because it came from somewhere. Hallelujah. We must follow others. We must learn to follow protocol. In the military, when you break protocol, what you do is that you give the enemy a loophole. And it's the same in church. God believes in protocol. An instruction had been given when they went to war. They said, after this war, nobody should take any of the, the sports. Don't take anything. 
somebody called Akan. He said, that, no, 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 you will go, you will lose that. Look at how this go, look at how this. I can always just say, please, I know better than the leaders. Let me go. And at the end of the day, the effect was general. It wasn't just for me. That's how I'm this bridge. Whenever there is a breaking of protocol, you create a loophole for the enemy to have a chance. It's a simple church. Sometimes, eh, the one who gave the order may be wrong. You that you broke protocol, you probably were right. But just because you broke protocol, you just opened up the system for the enemy to come through and cause something bad to happen. That's what happens. Anywhere that there is protocol and is broken, especially spiritual protocol, you create a loophole for the enemy to come. So even, even though you may you may have been right, the fact that you broke broken protocol and the command God has given makes God decide that okay, you know better. Let me stand aside. Do your thing. And that is where the enemy gets you. And the whole thing becomes disaster. In the home, there is protocol. God has decided that the man is the head. Period. So don't say, oh, that's for my husband. He's always taking foolish decisions. He's being unwise. Every time he's taking foolish decisions. I told somebody, if your husband is taking foolish decisions, then it means you were foolish enough to date a foolish man and you were foolish enough to let a foolish man marry you and you were even more foolish to allow a foolish man to impregnate you. So now that you have been joined together with a foolish man, follow protocol and obey because both of you are... Hallelujah! You couldn't see that he was a foolish man when you were dating. The foolishness manifested after the marriage. No, 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 no. It was there. It was there. Once you agree to the marriage, it means I'm submitting to a foolish man. So under such circumstances, when a decision is taken, there is a deadlock. You may even be right. But if you break the protocol, Satan, uh huh, you broke in protocol, now I have the chance. Something like, okay, maybe a decision. The children should go somewhere, or they shouldn't go somewhere. Father says, they won't go. You know that the thing will benefit the children. You bypass your husband and say, hey, let me prepare the children, you let them go. Now you put in the children's lives in danger. Because Satan, ah, you created a loophole for me, yes. He now is looking for the opportunity to cause trouble already. You have broken protocol. God says, submit to your husband. And you decided that you, you you look into God's face and say, God, when you were making this decision, you were a little drowsy. It, it wasn't correct. So I, I will do what I want to do. I am wiser than you. So God is okay. All right. Wise woman, feel free. The moment God moves, Satan comes and takes the place. So the children go. Something goes to happen on the way. It's not because your idea was wrong. It's because you broke protocol. Hallelujah. God respects protocol. And he takes protocol very seriously. Uzzah, when the ark was falling, he thought he was doing something good. Going to help to pick it up. But he was trapped there. Why? Because there's a protocol for handling the ark. It is carried on shoulders. You don't handle it like that. He broke it and died. 
even though his intentions were good. Are you getting the point I'm making? So, as a church, we must learn to respect protocol and respect rank. Hallelujah. You don't say because you can sing better than your choir director. You form a splinter choir within the choir. How oh, they don't sing spiritual songs. We like key, the key, the elder miracle kind of, you know, so you split. <laughs> that is rebellion. Somebody say rebellion. You are a rebel when you take up power and authority that has not been given to you. That is a rebel. Sometimes in prayer groups, there are a lot of rebels because they believe they see more visions than the prayer leader. They every prayer meeting, the vision they come like 360 revolutions. Plenty of churches. They are the ones who can prophesy. So say, come, 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 come. Can't see. Don't say shadow follow me. Now they tell me where you go. There are shadows following me. This is a shadow. It's following me. <laughs> You see, our system has been littered with a lot of fear mongering when it comes to the prophetic. That is why our society is not moving forward. If you've been told that I see that this year you will die, how do you plan for two years ahead? Oh, then, Charlie, let me sell my goods. Spirit of hedonism comes in. Let me eat and drink and die for tomorrow. I'm awake. So rebellion is when you overstep your bounds. You take decisions unilaterally. You don't, you don't consult whoever has to be consulted. You take it. Sometimes, sometimes in prayer, those people feel they are, they, are, they are so spiritual. No, the prayer topic that has been raised uh, is not. They are, they are not in tune with the spirit. So you pray your own prayers. Is rebellion. Samuel told so he said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So there are a lot of witches and wizards in the church who have never chewed human flesh before. Where do you obey leaders? They say come at 7 30. And you decide. No, this is 7 30. I'll do my own thing. I'll do it as I please. It's rebellion. And rebellion is what? Witchcraft is not only flying at night. It's not only chewing flesh. I've preached on witchcraft before. I told you when you are manipulative. A lot of women are practicing fleshly witchcraft. They use tears. Oh, no. So, are you sure they know the guy cannot stand tears. They say, oh, okay, 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 okay. We have manipulated him. Even children can't have learned it. You know what They know that the cry is piercing and annoying. Go, 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 go. If I wish, 
and he nearly lost his throne. So he decided to ask for proud people. That time of proud people, I won't allow them anywhere near my, my throne. Next time, I may not survive the good leader. Obey them that have rule over you. I pray that God will baptize us with the spirit of obedience. The other thing about an army is that everybody gives a hundred percent. Everybody gives a hundred percent. You don't hold back in an army, not at all. You give your hundred percent, your very best. You do the best that you can. Our abilities and our skills are different. As I always say, the sound that is being produced through this microphone, if you leave me alone, I can't do it. I know the difference between good sound and bad sound. But if you leave me alone, I can't do it. I can tell them, no, this sound there is not good. Change it. But I can't manipulate my way on the iPad or phone or whatever. What I can do is what I'm doing here. Hallelujah. What I'm five doing, I can't do in a, in a million. How you attempt it? Everybody must give their 100%. On the battlefield, there are no spectators. So if you're a spectator in the church, you are not behaving like a soldier. Hallelujah. I like our Sierra Leonean sisters, they created their own ministry, church cleaning ministry. Saturday, they come here, they clean the place. Let's put our hands for them. They created their own ministry. But they're not holding it. If there's a ministry you think you have, come, we'll create it for you. They come, they clean this place nicely, speak and fun. It will shock you that when you go to heaven, their reward will be bigger than mine. It's all about the faithfulness with which you do whatever you are supposed to do. Hallelujah. Don't come to church and we finish. And they say, Oh, we are all packing chairs. As for you, your nails are too nice. You look too beautiful. So, okay, 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 okay. Bye. It was a great service. See you next Sunday. Let me say Wednesday. On Sunday, you know. go on. Everybody gives a hundred percent. So aside giving everybody giving hundred percent, the other thing is that in an army the soldiers will watch over each other. They watch over each other. They are there. When you watch a war film, sometimes you even want to be a soldier. When one is shot in the leg and is limping, and that one will throw away the gun. It's like, look, we must say this one, this is priority. We must live before the other one dies. The priority is for you to live. Put the gun aside. Bandage the what do you call it? Wound. M5 forced me to watch a certain movie, Hack Storage. He was a soldier. He decided that because of his religion, he won't care. So he would just save the injured people. And the number of people this man saved. Wounded the people with double amputees, bomb blasts, amputees. He saved people. Just, you must watch out for each other. You see, on the battlefield, People will be wounded. An example of a wound is when somebody is overtaken in a fault or a weakness. It's like a wound. That is when you must show your support as a fellow soldier. When a person has been shot in the leg and a person is down, in this case, the person has been overtaken in a moral fault. 
and you start criticizing, you start bashing, you start being judgmental. It's like that soldier whose next soldier next to him has been shot in the leg, and he comes to meet him bleeding, and he takes a gun and shoots the other leg. That is what being judgmental in the house of God means. You are, you are helping to sing the person further. People who have never quoted scripture before, when somebody sings, that's when you, they know that they know scriptures that prove that the person has sinned. The word of God that is supposed to be a sword that we are supposed to use against the enemy, we only pull it out to use against our fellow soldier. You must be each other's keeper. You must pray for one another. I thought you hear that the armor of God, when the Bible says full, it means seven, complete. But we list only six. But the last one is prayer. Praying for one another. That's the last one. We don't usually see it and recognize it as one of the things. But the end, that's the last one. Pray for one another. That is what will cover the back. Because when you see the armor, full armor, there's nothing on the back. But you know, the back being exposed is as dangerous as the front being exposed. Your lungs can be pierced from the back. Your heart can be injured from the back. Whatever can be injured from the front can be injured from the back. The last thing that will cover the back is the prayer. Praying for one another. So when your brother is down, that is not when to be judgmental. That is not when to shun. Some people say, oh, let me shun him. I don't want to be contaminated. I don't want to be contaminated. How many of you even pray for your fellow believers? It's like me, no. Lord bless me. Lord, you bless me this year. Lord, Lord I must get my car. It's not about you, 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 you. When somebody even comes to you with a prayer to help me to pray, mm-hmm. my own list is too long. Then you quote scripture. Remove the Lord from your eye so that you can see and remove the speck of that person's eyes. But there's a lot of power in praying for each other. It comes from the power of agreement. The Bible says, it too shall agree it is the word of God and that is it that's the power of agreement agreement opens things up in the spirit that's the nature of agreement whenever there is agreement that's why when you walk with someone the Bible says can two walk together except they agree when you start walking with somebody it is silent agreement and it opens you up to certain things you start behaving like a person if the person likes saying, yeah, man, you start saying, yeah, man. If person likes saying, my God, my God, you only start saying, my God. Transference of spirit. It opens you up. Agreement was what opened the heavens up for the Holy Spirit to come on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says, and they were with one accord. That's what agreement does. It opens things up. So it too shall agree as touching a thing. It is established. That is it. That's why you must pray for one another. And the power of, of the corporate anointing. One shall put a thousand to fly. Two. Instead of two thousand, shall put ten thousand to fly. That means your thousand becomes five thousand. My, my thousand becomes five thousand. Everything has been amplified. You must watch over one another. Give hundred percent. Watch over one another. We keep our rounds. We respect our rounds. We obey orders. 
And even when you are sleeping, you are thinking about the situation, instead of thinking about it, you convert it into worship. Convert it into praise. Next. He said, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. How can lyrics, musical notes, be converted into a sword? And not just a sword, but a double-edged sword. A double-edged sword means it can cut from the left and cut from the right at the same time. That is what the praises of God in your mouth to do. Look, one of the devil's greatest aims in your life is to take away your worship and take away your praise. He has always wanted that thing for himself. Any affliction the devil brings to your life, any warfare he brings your way, it is because he wants you to shut up and stop praising and stop worshiping. Because when you open your mouth and you start worshiping, when you open your mouth and you start praising, give me the next verse. He said, to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishment upon the people. It is a punishment to the devil to see you worshiping God in the place of affliction. It's like you are down. This situation is, is supposed to make you curse God. This situation is supposed to make you cry. But you are still lifting up your... Satan wants you to see him in the situation that I am the one causing this. And then you open your mouth and say, At the center of it all, as I need you help me, it's you that I see. It's you that I
Trust you have been blessed by this message. For information on how you can receive more teachings from the man of God, reach us on 024-873-7250. Stay blessed.